we're going to be sharing tonight about focusing on the good part. How important it is to stay focused on the good part. And we're going to be talking specifically about Mary and about Martha. If we ever do a musical, honey, or some kind of a play about this, I could audition for both parts. Sometime I can relate to Mary, and it's like, yes, that's me. I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus. And sometimes I can relate to Martha and say, yeah, that's me. I am concerned and concerned about everything. And everything seems to be taking my attention away from whatever I'm supposed to be focused upon. And I believe it's one of the most important messages in the Bible that truly represents the entire Bible from start to finish when God was trying to get our attention and show us what He wanted us to do and to live and to become, and then we get distracted all the way. And you say, well, what do you mean all the way through the Bible? You can go back through the entire Bible and find the scenario of Mary and Martha. You can go to the Garden of Eden. God gave instructions, gave one instruction. How many of you have ever seen the movie uh, uh, City, City Slickers? It's an old movie. How many, have you seen that movie? Have you not seen that movie? Okay, there's a few parts in there that probably maybe you don't want a little kid in there, but it's, it is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And uh, it's old. It's an old movie. I, I want to see it again now after thinking about it today, but we're going to show a clip of it in a few minutes here. But, but God gave one instruction. And it was basically, don't do this thing. One instruction. You would think anybody could remember one. Turn to your neighbor and say, you ought to be able to remember one. One instruction. That's all they had to remember. And they blew it because they became distracted. They didn't focus on what God said. When you look at the book of Numbers, God told them exactly what he was going to do. Told Moses, brought him to the edge of the promised land. Time to go in, but I want you to spy out the land first. Ten spies went in, and they focused on something that distracted them from what God said. Only two, Joshua and Caleb, focused on what they should have been focused on. I know in my life, it has been very difficult for me to stay focused. And you might say, well, wait, you preach on it all the time. You, you, you can't do it. Folks, I preach to myself up here too. When, when I, I, I'm just going to give you an example right now because this may not be the example for you, but you have something in your life that you're focusing on the wrong thing from time to time, and you know it, and so does God. Uh, w when God gave me the project for a long time ago about writing this book, uh, we had uh, w one of the things that really held me back was, was it was going to cost $3,000. I thought it would be real simple to write a book and you just write a book and everybody buy it and you make a lot of money and everything is great and all. Well, you got to pay a lot of money up front. And it cost $3,000 to do it. And I was really concerned about writing the book. And I was holding off and holding off and holding off and, and part of it was due to the finances. And you've heard me say time and time again up here, don't ever make a decision based on finances. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, he says that all the time. And then you turn around and get distracted by the very thing you know you shouldn't be doing. Never make a decision based on finances. But I remember that day, one day, uh, thinking about it and thought, gosh, I probably need to do it. And I just casually, it came out of me about the book project. And at the end of the service, a guy who had only been on a church one time the entire year came up to me after the service and said, how much is it going to cost to do that book? 
And I said, $3,000. He said, well, I want to do half of it. Glory to God. All of a sudden, there's $1,500. Now, everybody say this. God operates in the realm of the supernatural. It doesn't mean that you can't plan, but you can't get God to fulfill your plan. We need to get God's plan, and then supernaturally, He will bring forth everything that you have need of. And so now we get this book in, and we've got a thousand copies of this book, and I'm praying about it, and they say charge $15 for it, and as I pray, $14.98 was going to be the, uh, the price, and I was praying about what to do, and God said, planet is a seed. I said, okay, God. Now, how many of you realize it's a good idea to do what God says? How many of you found out, may I see your hands, that God is always stretching you beyond what you think? I was thinking if you sold the book for $15 and you had 1,000 copies, well, that's 15000 Is that right? Yeah, that's $15,000. And heck, I can write another book with $15,000 and another book and a dollars $20,000. I had it all figured out. If you're going to sit, and we're going to get the message here in the, the, the scripture in just a moment. If you're going to sit at the feet of Jesus, you're going to hear what he says and then do what he says, not tell him what you need to do what you want to do, but how he wants to do it. So now it's time. We, we, we had that book for four months, three, four months, and we went through almost a thousand copies. I thank God for that. I had no idea we could get rid of all of them. We got rid of almost every book. Almost a thousand dollars. The comments came in were absolutely awesome. And now I thought, oh, that is really great. I was sitting at the feet of Jesus, writing down comments that people said. It felt so good because he wrote the book, not me. It was just absolutely awesome. And now something changed. How many of you realize something's changed in your lives? All of a sudden, everything's going great. Now, something's changed. All of a sudden, something's changed. We're about out of books. Well, that's a great thing. Oh, wait, we need more books. What do we do now? Well, it can't be that expensive. Call the publisher. Oh, no, the first project wasn't 3000 It was 7000 Yes, 7000 we didn't have. Yes, 7000 we didn't have. Well, now it's time to reorder the book. Well, it can't be that expensive. Now here's where the $3,000 came in. Now we need $3,000 more. And I'm thinking, God, I don't know that we really want to invest $3,000 more in a book that hasn't even sold in the first place. We're giving them away. And I'm praying, and God says, continue to give the book away. And I'm thinking, God, if we continue to give the book away, we're not going to have any income off the book to make more books. Now, I know that sounds extremely dumb to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's not as dumb as he looks. <laughs> I know that sounds extremely dumb to you because I had sat at the feet of the Lord, and I know he told me how to write the book. I, I, I believe you wrote that book. And he told me what to do. I'm taking no glory for that book. He told me what to do. And I saw him do it. And then I start to sit at his feet. But then I get tired sitting at his feet because I don't have what I need to go to the next level other than the supernatural. There's a page in the book where I said I was really not all that excited about God's method of faith. And on that page, what I was talking about was when we went to Tulsa, it seemed like I had to believe in everything. I had to believe in money for food. I had to believe in gas for the car. I had to believe in payment for the house. I had to believe in, believe in, believe in. I said, God, 
I'm really getting tired of this message of faith. I would rather go to my checkbook and write a check and put it where it needs to be versus always having to pray about everything. Now, you would think, you've got to be kidding me, Pastor. That is exactly how I feel sometimes. Can I see the hands of all the people you know, somebody who feels the same way? I just as soon have it all in the bank and ready to go. Well, that's not the way it works. And the other day, we got this phone call that just really blessed me from a person. And it wasn't just because of the book, but this person had read the book, and they were talking about how it really gave them hope for life. And we were dwindling down to about 40 copies, 30, 40 copies. I stopped promoting the book <laughs> because we didn't have very many. And then I, I felt like the Lord said, are you going to do what I tell you to do or are you just going to do what you think? Yeah. Well, I've done both. And I can tell you this, it'd be revelation. It's better to do what God thinks. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's better to do what God thinks. So we got the book ordered, and it's going to be taken care of. I think it's been ordered. I think it's supposed to be ordered. Now, we're going to go to the book of Luke right now because this is the way God operates if we will let him. And, and I'll paraphrase some of it to you, but Jesus came to the house of Mary and Martha. They knew who he was. They were friends with Jesus. Jesus knew who they were, and they loved one another. And it says in the very beginning of this, that Mary and Martha sat at the feet of Jesus. This is how it all started. How many of you know what it's like just to sit at the feet of Jesus? Just to sit there and bask in His glory and write down what He tells you and listen to what He has to say, that sweet, small voice that comes by the Holy Spirit, and you're just getting there basking in what He has for you and all of those things. Right now, we're in a season that should be the happiest, most wonderful season of all. I don't know how many of you start, I know when, when, when Christmas really started being celebrated. I did not till this morning. I was praying this morning, and I thought, God, I don't even know when Christmas started. Uh, you know, we know that December the 25th is not the exact date when Jesus was born. I, thought, I don't even know when Christmas began to be celebrated. So I went on the Internet, and then as I was going on the Internet, I thought, God, how do I know what this is telling me is true other than somebody stuck it in there and said it? So I checked three or four different sources to try to validate it, and that uh, uh, it, it goes all the way back to Roman Emperor Constantinople, who... who arbitrarily picked December the 25th. He was a Christian, and, and he wanted to celebrate the birth of Jesus, and it started in the year 336. And that it started just to celebrate the birth of Jesus, to pick a date that they thought it could have been, and to celebrate forever and eternity every year on December the 25th, the birth of Jesus. Now, I don't know what it was like in the year 336, but I'll bet you it wasn't full of Chinese goods at Walmart. I'll bet it wasn't full of all sorts of lights on Christmas trees. I'll bet it wasn't full of babies on Santa's lap crying and trying to get off. I'll bet it was nothing like we are experiencing today. And I said this one time. I didn't really mean it, but I did say it, something about Christmas. I said, yep, glad to see it come and glad to see it go. In other words, it, a lot of work getting to it and a lot of work during it, and then it's over and now we can relax. That is not what Christmas is all about. It is about celebrating the birth of Jesus. 
Christmas in America and possibly worldwide, but in America has been one of the biggest seasons of the year for depression, anxiety, and people really hurting. What kind of life is that? It's not about giving gifts, it's about receiving the gift. And it should be the happiest time of year if we don't lose sight and become distracted from all of the things we have to do. And Mary and Martha is a story of distraction and attraction. And that when you get this, it's, it's a message not just for Christmas, it's a message for life. But Mary and Martha, at uh, Luke 10, 38, they sat at the feet of Jesus. Now, we don't know what happened. You can put the scriptures up there as they get to them, as you feel it. But, but we don't know what happened. But apparently, during the course of their sitting there, now think about this. You're sitting in front of Jesus, and he's sharing words of wisdom, words of his Father. He just came to do what he saw his Father do, what the Father willed to him to do. They're fascinated by every word that comes out of his mouth. But all of a sudden, Mary is mesmerized, but Martha takes a thought. And Martha's thought is this, wow, I wonder if the food is getting served the way it should. I wonder if everybody's getting what they should. I think I need to get up and make sure everybody is okay. Let's all make this confession right now. It is not my job, not my job. to make sure everybody's okay. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you're not in charge of everybody. But there is a Martha syndrome that a lot of people have. If I don't fix everybody, it's not going to work well. If I don't take care of everybody, they're not going to take care of themselves. We are living in a generation, and I hope I'm wrong, what I'm saying. We are living in a generation that has been overcared for. We have pampered a generation. We didn't do it for the wrong reason. We wanted them to have it better than we had it. Our grandparents that raised us and our parents that raised us went through the Depression, and they knew what it was like. And they were the greatest generation. And they wanted us to have it better than they had it. And they gave us, and they gave us, and they gave us. And now we did the same thing, and we give, and we give, and we give. We're going to take care of you. Live, in, live with us forever. We'll take care of you forever. We'll buy your cars. We'll buy your house. We'll buy your insurance. We'll make sure you don't have to do anything the rest of your lives. Now turn to your neighbor and say, he's getting carried away now. <laughs> but what happens is, then for the wrong reasons, we become distracted from what God is trying to speak to us. And finally, finally, Martha gets upset with her sister Mary. And she gets upset because she's doing all the work. But nobody told Martha to do all the work. She took it upon themselves. Can I see the hands of all the people you've done a lot of things that you weren't called to do, only to find out that you weren't called to do them, and only to find out that they took you away from where God really wanted you to be? And what happens then is God is calling you back to where he wants you to be, but he doesn't want you to keep being like you are. We are all creatures of habit. Everybody say this, if it's comfortable for you, but it's true. I am a creature of habit. And that if you understand that, 
then the thing that you're doing that you know you shouldn't be doing, there's a fine line between a person who has compassion and a person who is an enabler. A person who is an enabler can, can cause another individual not to grow to be responsible for their life. But by the same token, if you don't have compassion, you don't meet the needs of the people that you're called to meet. So there's a fine line between the two of them, but they are not one and the same. And that what we've got to do is be able to sit at the feet of Jesus, have the leading of the Holy Spirit, and to know exactly what to do. Well, finally, Martha has had it with her sister. And she decides to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we got a problem with Mary. And I know I'm paraphrasing it, but put it up as it's appropriate. I got a problem with Mary. There's much serving to be done, and Mary is still sitting there listening to you speak, and I am doing everything. Why is it? Why don't you tell her to get involved in this whole process? Now, it sounds like a reasonable request, but apparently it wasn't, because Jesus responded and said, anytime, how many of you were raised by a parent that anytime they use your name twice, you knew you are in trouble? It wasn't like, Bill, Bill, I really love you, but my mom. It's like, Billy, Billy, don't do that again. I knew if she was using it twice. Martha, Martha. Jesus used the name twice. Martha, Martha, you are, you, you are distracted. You are worried and troubled about many things. He didn't even say a thing. He said many things. How many people are worried and distracted? about many, many things. That is exactly what it says. Now, let me read it to you. It starts out in verse number 40. Martha was distracted with much serving, and, th and now that sentence alone says she got up and she left Jesus. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Jesus basically responded and said, no, I don't care. <laughs> He's exactly what he said. I've said that before to some people. They don't like it much. But said, no, I don't really care. Uh, because the word care is a distraction in and of itself. That's what it means. It says she was distracted. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from here. Worried and troubled. Distracted, worried, and troubled. That's what has happened to many people in the world today. There's only one thing, and that is the good part that you and I need to focus on, and that is Jesus. And we're going to talk about a few scriptures right here. But I want to just show you this clip. If you haven't seen the movie, it may not be funny to you. Uh, I, I thought, there, uh, well, anyway, we'll show you the clip, but let me just intro it first. Billy Crystal and this famous actor, I can't think of his name right now, this old guy, but uh, old guy, he's probably my age. But, 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 but anyway, uh, it, it, the, the basic premise of the movie, for those of you that haven't seen it, is these people, these city slickers, have gotten caught up in the day-to-day -day humdrum life of making money and running and doing and meetings and all this kind of stuff. And these buddies come together and they decide to go to a dude ranch and ride horses and rope cows and just have a good time. And, uh, and, and so th this scene 
is the old cowboy who's having a ball, ball, probably doesn't have a lot of money, doesn't have a lot of bills, doesn't have a lot of things, but he's just having a good old life, and he's telling the guy about being city slickers and how what is really important in life. So go ahead and roll it and turn the lights down here. Let's see if what it looks like. Cowboy leads a different kind of life when there were cowboys. They're a dying breed. Still means something to me, though. Couple of days, they'll move this herd across the river, driving through the valley. Oh, <laughs> there's nothing like bringing in a herd. See, now that's great. Your life makes sense to you. <laughs> What's so funny? You city folk, you worry about a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, how old are you? 38. 39. Yeah. You all come up here about the same age, same problems. Spend about 50 weeks a year getting knots in your rope, and then, and then you think two weeks up here will time for you. None of you get it. Do you know what the secret of life is? No, what? This. Your finger? <laughs> one thing. Just one thing. You stick to that and everything else don't mean... That's great, but what's the one thing? That's what you got to figure out. Everybody stick up one finger. Say, that's what I got to figure out. What is that good part? What is that one thing that we need to figure out? It's not about running here and there and worrying about the kids and figuring you got to take care of everybody's messes and you got to take care of this and you got to take care of that and, and all. And it, it, it's about Jesus. It's about a relationship with him that he is so real to you that nothing will come between you and Jesus. I remember, I know, I'm sure it's in the book, but I remember a time in my life in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when I was in the middle of Bible school uh, the finances were just, they just never seemed to go away. It just seemed like always a problem here and a problem there. And I went in to see the director of the Bible school. And I said to him, his name was Ron. And I said, Ron, I've just got this financial trouble. I, I, just, I just can't seem to make it. Uh, I just don't know what to do. And he looked at me and he said, Bill, it has to reach the point in your life when Jesus becomes more real to you than anything more real to you than your wife, more real to you than me sitting across from you, more real than any circumstance you ever faced. And I remember looking him right in the eye and saying, Ron, he's not that real to me. And I remember getting up out of that office and walking out and getting in my car and driving down Sheridan Avenue in Tulsa, Oklahoma, tears just pouring out my eyes. And I said, God, I am sorry I had to say that but that is exactly the way I feel. You are not as real to me as the burden I feel for the finances, for the challenges, for all of the things I'm going through. And I remember saying, I wish I didn't have to say that, Lord, but that is exactly the way I feel. And I went to work at McDonald's. I went from the frying pan into the fire, hallelujah, because I left Bible school. But during that period of time, God really showed himself strong on my behalf. 
and I really felt the power of God and realized that the most important thing in my life was one thing, and that was Jesus. And that once he became that real to me, and he did, it changed my life forever. And that that is the focus. And that there are people that for the right reasons are trying to get you to do things for them, but yet it's not you and your responsibility. Your responsibility is you one-on-one -on -one with God doing what God has shown you to do. Not getting up and being distracted by serving. Not getting up and taking care of all the needs of the things around you that other people should be doing for themselves, but letting the power of God through Jesus himself take care of your life and show you what to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, listen carefully. And what not to do. What not to do. Because too many people are doing things they're not called to do. They just need to let go and let God take care of it. And when you get to that point in your life, it'll change your life forever. And I want to share these four things with you. Nothing new that you haven't heard, but I'm telling you what, the Word of God doesn't change. And the, 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 the uh, confession that we make each, each Sunday when I'm preaching, uh, in addition to the first confession, is what I'm going to lead you in right now. Because to me, this is so basic, but yet, yet if you're not living it, your life will never be what God wants it to be. So let's make this confession right now. The Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor, it is just that simple. Are you living the relationship that you need to? Number one, <clears throat> Hebrews 4.12, focus upon Jesus. Focus upon Jesus. Hebrews 12, uh, I said Hebrews 4, Hebrews 12.1. Focus upon Jesus the author, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set beside before him, sat down at the right hand of the Father, endured the shame of the cross for you and I, and that if we do this, we will never get discouraged, because if we don't, discouragement will follow. So let's all say it. I must focus upon Jesus. What would Jesus do in this situation? What would Jesus have me to do? I want to sit at his feet every morning or late at night. When is your time to sit at the feet of Jesus? Not at the set of your TV set or your computer screen or your family. When is the time when you sit one-on-one -on -one alone with Jesus, allowing nothing to distract you? Turn your cell phone off. Turn your devices off and sit with Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. If you don't have that time every day, you are going to miss what God has for you. The second thing is to focus upon the Word of God. When Jesus himself was confronted by the devil, Matthew 4, 4, you've heard me share that scripture always in this church. Jesus said man should live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We're living in a busy world. We're living in a multitasking world. I believe it's from the enemy himself trying to get us so busy with so many things that we lose sight of the thing, the one thing. What is it that we want? Money, success, cars, friends, everybody to like me. None of those things are the goal for anybody or should be the goal for anybody. Focus upon the Word of God. 
And then number three, focus on the leading of the Holy Spirit, the most important thing. Jesus himself told us that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide us into all truth, and he'd show us the things he has for us, and then he would give us everything that he had so that we could be what God wanted us to be. Everything should be based on the Holy Spirit, not what somebody else thinks, not go to college and get a degree so you can make a lot of money, Follow and pursue what God has for you. God has a unique plan for you and for your children. And this is what I'm seeing in the church today. I've, I've watched it in this church. I've watched people who have been part of this church for 10 or 15, 20 years. And all of a sudden, they succeed and they do extremely well. And they start making a lot of money. And things start going well for them. And we start seeing them less and less and less and less. And they go the way of the world. They're not bad people, but they're Martha's. They're out there doing their thing instead of doing his thing. People that we don't even see anymore. Well, we don't want to tell them they have to be here because we don't want to make them feel bad about themselves. Well, I don't want to make anybody feel bad about themselves. But if somebody's going to walk off the edge of the cliff, I think I might give them a shout ahead and say, you know what? We're going to miss you, but if you walk off the cliff much further, you are never going to be seen by us again, and your life is going to get ruined. And I know people, and I hope I'm wrong, but people that God has shown me in my spirit, they're going the wrong direction, and there's a, a result waiting for them if they keep moving the direction they're moving. I hope I'm wrong, but I can't negate what I know God is showing me. We need to be led and focused on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has to remain real to us. How does it remain real to you? It's the time you focus and spend. Focus, 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 focus. If you're focused on the Holy Spirit, you'll be and walk and reflect the things of the Holy Spirit. If you're full of the Holy Spirit and spending time with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit will be in your life. If the fruit of the Spirit is not in your life and flowing through your life, it's because you're not spending time in the realm of the Spirit with the Holy Spirit. So it's, it, everybody say, it's so simple. It's really so simple. And then the fifth, uh, the fourth thing is, is the focus on love. Jesus said in John 15, 17, this is my commandment. He said, it's a new commandment I give you. The commandment is that you love one another. Now, this is where I believe a lot of people are not sitting at the feet of Jesus and understanding this. Not loving what people do. <clears throat> loving people in spite of what they do. Accepting people where they are, but not accepting what they're doing. Not accepting your lifestyle, not accepting the way you're going, but loving you in the midst of all of that. The prodigal son loved the, the prodigal father loved the prodigal son, but he didn't go with the prodigal son. He waited for the prodigal son to return home. He didn't approve of the prodigal son with the pigs and with all the people of the world and all the things that were going on in the world. We're living in a world today where there are things that are coming that sound good, words that sound good, diversity sounds good, all of the inclusion sounds good. All of those things are okay, but if you're sitting at the feet of Jesus, you'll have a check in your spirit. Thank you for that overwhelming silence. You'll have a check in your spirit. You'll hear somebody say something that it says okay, but in your spirit it's like, uh-uh, that's not okay. That's wrong. That is wrong. And what happens then is you start to know 
that I need to get involved intercession here in this situation because your focus is upon love for people. We love people. Turn to your neighbor and tell them we love everybody. We love everybody, but we've got to be sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, there are three things that I want to give you that will help you do this message to stay focused. Are you ready? Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, you ready? Got your pencil ready? If you don't have your pencil, just get your mental, mental mind ready to go. Okay, ready? Number one, discipline. Number two, discipline. Number three, discipline. Let's repeat it. Discipline, discipline, discipline. And then when you're done and tired of it, what is it? Discipline, discipline, discipline. And then what is it? Discipline, discipline, and discipline. What happens when you get disappointed? Discipline, discipline, discipline. What does the word say? What happens when it doesn't go the way you wanted it to? Discipline, discipline, discipline. What does the word of God say? Are you sitting at the feet of Jesus? Would you become disciplined to live the word of God, speak the word of God, act the word of God is true, you'll start to move in the direction that God has for you. Years ago, when, when I, I was, some of you remember the Burger Chef company, but it was Burger Chef. And Burger Chef was the fast, at the one time was the fastest growing franchise in all of America next to McDonald's, uh, way before, I mean, not before, but even uh, faster growing than Burger King. Fell apart after I left, but uh, no, that's... <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but anyway, uh, we found out the marketing program for McDonald's. And the marketing program for McDonald's was location, location, location. So the Burger Chef marketing plan was go as close to a McDonald's <laughs> with your location as you possibly can. <laughs> McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. And if you remember back in that era, wherever there was a McDonald's, there was a burger shop popping up right next to it. We didn't have to reinvent the wheel. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. All you got to do, most of us, this is the way we came to the Lord. We came to the Lord, and we just sat at his feet. We just couldn't get enough of God. I mean, we just, oh, my goodness. Look at the trees. Look at the, look at the moon. Look at the, look at the people. Oh, my goodness. Everybody smells good, looks good. Huh? Oh, my goodness, my goodness. And then we get a little bit in us, and then we think that God has called us to rescue the whole world, and we're going to change everybody. We're going to make a difference in this world. And then instead of following that sweet, gentle leading of the Holy Spirit, we placed ourselves in charge and said, come on, God, let's go get them. God's not there. He's not into trouble and worry and anxiety and frustration. And sometimes when I talk to people and I say, your problem is you're anxious. I say, how can I help but not be anxious? Three things. Discipline, discipline, discipline. People will try to convince you that their anxiety is justified. They'll try to convince you my troubling is justified. If you only knew how I felt. We want to have compassion with people and we want to love people. 
but then we want to go on with our life. We can't justify people being like they are because of the challenges of life that have happened to them. You've got to help people go on with their life. And Martha had a problem. It's a problem that I believe many people have today. She must have been easily distracted because the Son of God was sitting and she was at His feet and something caused her to be distracted that must have been easy for it to happen. How could you be distracted from the Son of God by serving cookies to somebody or washing dishes or making sure the house is clean? The distraction had become a habit in her life. Worry had become a habit in her life. What you embrace will be a habit, good or bad. And I sometimes embrace the challenge that I see financially and in other areas of my life, and I think about it, and sometimes, kind of an admission to you, but sometimes it distracts me from what I know what God said. I always know what God said. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you always know what God said. You, you always know what God said. But then you start to put something to it, like, well, now, yeah, I know what God said, but, and then you're distracted. And you're starting to figure something out that takes you away from believing by faith for the supernatural. Supernatural intervention of God is always a moment away if you move in the direction God's called you to move. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Because Martha was not a bad person. <clears throat> Martha, Martha was no better person than Mary. But Martha had allowed some distractions in her life. And I want to pray for you tonight. First of all, to make sure you all know Jesus. But secondly, that this would be a night that if there are areas in your distraction, in your life, that are distractions that the Holy Spirit will show you. You should already know, but that the Holy Spirit will show you because we're going to get rid of them tonight, and we want to pray and get those things off of you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast every care upon the Lord. The word care, marimna in the Greek, means distraction. The word worry is the root word of distraction, meaning meaning distraction. In other words, it distracts you from your focus where it should be upon Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? Perhaps tonight you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're like a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. You know you've drifted away from the things of God. God loves you, but he's calling you back home. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand in the air. And we're going to pray for you. Anyone at all, I see your hand all the way back there. Others that would say, my life is not right with God, and I know it's not right. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand up. We're going to pray for you. Anyone at else? Come on down here. All the way back there. Can't see you real good. Yeah, yeah, come on down here. Give me a hand as they come down here. Come on down. That's all right. 
Keep clapping, keep clapping. Ministry and angels, come on down here. Are excited. I'm glad you're here. It's good to see you. You have a beautiful smile. Stretch your hands up and let's pray right now. Let's pray together. You pray this with me, okay? Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God and that you died for my sins. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. But tonight I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart. Take control of my life. True desire of my heart is to serve you and to be all that you've called me to be. Now there's a young lady right behind you and she's going to keep praying for you. And we're going to give you a little information. We're going to give you a book tonight too to read, okay? And then we're going to have a book report next week. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Is this your first time here? You've been here before? How did you happen to find us? Really? I'm glad you're here. God's got a plan of restoration for your life. I want people to pray for you that are all around you. If you know there are areas in your life where you have become distracted. Sometimes, you know, it can happen to me and I can be in the shower somewhere and I just pray and I just feel it lift off of me. And, you know, there are times we just need prayer. We need people to pray for us. How many of you know there are areas in your life where you are distracted? Can I see your hands? Lift them all up. Now, keep them up there. Now, believers, look around you. There are hands all over the place. I want somebody to go to those with their hands up. Don't leave anybody out. And let's begin to pray for them because I believe that you can release that distraction tonight. I'm going to leave you right here with Lisa. You can release that distraction tonight. All of you with your hands lifted up, let's, let's speak this out loud right now. Tonight, I release my distraction. Now begin to pray for them. Pray in the English, pray in the natural, pray in the spirit. Father, I thank you for every distraction to lift off now. The distraction of finances, the distraction of a fight for fight for, for health in our body, the, the distraction of family, the distraction of relationships that aren't right, that in the name of Jesus, all distractions lifted off tonight. In the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, that as that distraction is lifted off, that there will not be a return to it. But in Jesus' name, that distraction will be replaced by the power of your spirit and the power of your word. In Jesus' name, no more distraction, no worry, no troubling, but only sitting at the feet of Jesus and watching the power of the supernatural bring a change into your life. We pray it, we decree it, because we know it is the will of God. Now I want us to make this confession before you leave tonight. I want you to make this confession. Lord, I believe I am set free from all worry and all distractions. 
when they try to come, help me with your word to stand firm on what you have shown me. Because I have power, I have authority, and I have dominion. I am anxious for nothing. I am not troubled. I am not a Martha. I'm a Mary. I'm going to sit at your feet. I have the victory. I know it. My spirit knows it. My mind knows it. Therefore, because I have the victory, I'm steadfast. I'm immovable. I'm always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because I know with you, my labor is never in vain. And I am going from glory to glory to rescue people who are where I was so that they can be where I am. You believe that's the will of God? Let's give the Lord a hand. You got a word, honey? Just remember now the next two Wednesdays we're not here. But back there on that table, I challenge everybody the last couple of weeks, we're going to read through the New Testament this year, okay? We're all going to read through it one chapter a day. Everybody say, I can do that. I can. I believe that God wants us to hide the Word of God in our heart uh, in a way like we never have before. And in the month of January, we're going to be talking about prayer and praise on Wednesday nights. Uh, kind of like going to Bible school. How many of you think you could use a refresher course? <laughs> and uh, Sue will be helping us share on prayer a couple of the Wednesday nights. Uh, and then the last two will be on praise. Prayer and praise is where you meet God. When you talk to him and when you sit in his presence, when you give him praise, he says he inhabits the praises of his people. And so we're going to give the first month of the year on Wednesday nights to the Lord. Amen. We're going to believe for miracles, signs, and wonders in this place. Amen. Go and be blessed. Merry Christmas if we don't see you between now. And Happy New Year if we miss you over the holidays. God bless you.